This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Israel. Nebuchadnezzar had taken the Jewish people out. They were his prisoners. And Daniel is asking him, Daniel is saying, you are right down the middle of the road for judgment, king. And the only hope you have is to break off your relationship with your pride and not do what Pharaoh did. When Moses came to him and Pharaoh and said, let my people go, and Pharaoh said, why should I do that? And it cost him his life, it cost him his kingdom, it cost him the country. And so he's saying to King Nebuchadnezzar, please, Take my advice and do this. Do something. Do something because you could change. You could change. You could change yourself. You could change the course that God has got you on right now. And Daniel does this, and Daniel's got his heart in this because Daniel knows that God is not a Calvinist. Daniel knows that God does not take the position, well, it's predestined for King Nebuchadnezzar to be sinful, to resist God. So. Try and get Nebuchadnezzar to repent is like trying to resist God's predetermined will for Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel knew that God had not predestined anyone to be cast into hell. God has not predetermined anyone to be excluded from heaven. Daniel knew that God is a type of God who does not want, his will is, talk about the predestined will of God, the predestined will of God is that no one should perish. And in, in 2 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the, the Lord is not willing, that's the will of God, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the negative will of God, that no one should be cast into hell. The positive will of God is 1 Timothy 2, 4. 1 Timothy 2, 4, which says, God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And Daniel knew that the way for Nebuchadnezzar to possibly avoid this predicted punishment was through repentance. And so Daniel didn't say to Nebuchadnezzar that, well, it's for sure, if you do this, you're going to be saved from the punishment. 
It may have been too late for Nebuchadnezzar and that he would have to go through this punishment. And that's why Daniel said in verse 27, it may be the length, a lengthening of thy tranquility. He knew that God is kind. He knew that God was compassionate. He knew that God was forgiving. And if a person repents of his sins and cries out to God with all of his heart, I want forgiveness, I want cleansing, that God for sure would forgive. God for sure would cleanse. But there are consequences to sin. And that does not mean that it is for sure that God will save a person from the consequences of sin. I remember a man who came to this church. I remember a man who came to this church and came to every prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And I remember that man who came out of homosexuality. And he had repented. And he was coming regularly here to the chapel and had prayer meetings. And he was supported by us at the chapel. And he lived a clean life. And God had forgiven him. And God did save him. And God did cleanse him from his sins. And he had a new life in the Lord Jesus. And we prayed, as I said, regularly for him. But we also prayed that God would heal him from HIV that he contracted during the days of his homosexuality, and he died from AIDS. God will always forgive, God will always cleanse from sins, but he will not always remove the consequences of sin. And this is why Daniel was saying to the king, for sure, king, you need to repent of your sins. You need to cry out to God for forgiveness, for cleansing. Release the Jewish prisoners. But as for God deciding to make the king an animal or not, well, verse 27, it may be a lengthening of the tranquility. Well, the king did not release the Jewish prisoners. The king did not repent of his pride. And as far as the punishment goes, verse 28 says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. It was terrible. It was a terrible judgment. It didn't come right away, though, because as you look at verse 29... It says, at the end of 12 months, the judgment came. He was walking to his palace. So from the time that Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar his judgment was coming, the Bible says that there was one year. From the time that Daniel said in verse 27, break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy unto the poor, it says that after 12 months, it doesn't say after a year, but it states after 12 months, 12 months, 12 complete months for the king to change his mind. Every day of the first day of the first month of the year, every day of the second month of the year, every day of the third month of the year, every day of all the months of the year, God waited. And Daniel waited. Is the king going to repent? Is he going to? But at the end of 12 months, God says, well, what can we do? Nebuchadnezzar has had 12 months to respond to my warning through Daniel. There's nothing left but to bring the judgment on. I don't want to do it. God has called judgment in the Bible his strange work. He calls the acts of his judgment his strange acts. It's not what he wants to do. That's a picture of man today. Maybe listening, man listens to Billy Graham. Maybe it's through a friend. Maybe it's something he reads. Maybe he hears... What, however he does, but he hears the warning of God, like the Ezekiel 18.4 warning that says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die, Ezekiel 18.4. He, maybe he's heard, maybe he's read, maybe he's been taught in Sunday school class, Matthew 22.13, Matthew 22.13, that those who refuse to repent are cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
And just as God gave Nebuchadnezzar 12 long months of every day to heed the warning, to repent, to cry out to God, God gives man a whole lifetime to listen to the warning that he gives. He's not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. God wants everyone to repent, everyone to cry out to him for forgiveness and cleansing, and he'll do it. But there's a testing time. There's a waiting time, and it's limited. Just like with Dathan and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram rebelled against Moses, rebelled against God. They wanted Moses to be replaced. And Moses warned them in number 16. Number 16, verse 12. Number 16, verse 12, Moses calls them out. Say, come out from your tents, come here. It says in number 16, 12, Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. So that was in verse 12. And not until verse 31. Not until all those verses later, from 12 to 31, and if you want to know how many verses there are, you have to ask Scott because he's the mathematician. But not until verse 31, it says, And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up in their houses, and all the men that appertained to Korah and all their goods, they and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. Awful. It was terrible what happened in Encinitas, Lucadia, when the bluff gave way and killed those. That was terrible. This is worse. But for all those verses from 12 to 31, while Moses was reading out the judgment that was coming, the warning, and what was happening there, that was an opportunity for them to fall down, cry out to God, cry out to Moses for mercy. But instead of doing that, they just folded their hands and said, well, we'll just see what will happen. Very dangerous. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. Instead of listening to God's warning, he plows straight in, in verse 30, and he talks about this great Babylon that I have built by the might of my power and the honor of my majesty. And, and as he does that, Daniel covers his face. Oh, no. He's failed. He's calling God's bluff. Very dangerous. And he makes these, he says, you know, I built Babylon. It wasn't true. His predecessors built Babylon. He just made it better. It was like Caesar who boasted about when he came into Rome. He said, I found Rome made out of brick and I made it out of marble. You know, Jeremiah 9.23, Jeremiah 9.23 says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth Glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. So he's got this big idol of gold. Nebuchadnezzar had built a big idol of gold. And he's taken all this honor and glory for himself, just like Herod. Herod, who wanted to be more than a man, who very much welcomed the people when they cried out in Acts 20, 12, 21, 12, 21. And upon a certain day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, made an oration unto them, and the people gave a shout, saying, It's the voice of a god and not of a man. 
And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Immediately when Herod accepted this praise for being not a man but God, immediately he was struck down. Immediately in verse 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from thee. Immediately. Now, but it's interesting that in verse 31, the voice comes and says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. To thee it is spoken. That's, that shows the difference for when a person just reads the Bible and reads that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and says, oh yes, everyone sins. I'm, everyone makes mistakes. I make mistakes. Everyone sins. Every, I sin. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. In this general way, refusing to realize that that statement is directed to each person individually, as Nebuchadnezzar was told, to thee it is spoken. But when a person reads a verse like that and says, that's me. I have sinned. I, it, uh, I have sinned. I have gone short, fallen short of the glory of God. That's when the Bible begins to have value. When the Bible is not just read as a general book, but when it's read as words that are spoken directly to us, to thee it is spoken, in verse 31. And then in verse 33, the same hour the thing was fulfilled, and it literally means it came to an end. The prophecy came to an end. Nebuchadnezzar was an awful sight. He stripped himself naked in front of all of his people there. He said, I don't need clothes. I'm an animal. Animals don't need clothes. He drops down on all fours. He's like a beast. He doesn't want anything, but he just eats grass. Probably doesn't even make a sound of words, just make noise like an animal. And we can picture the people as they're watching this sight, as this great King Nebuchadnezzar, and they're saying to themselves, is this Nebuchadnezzar the Great? When they said that, they're speaking right out of Isaiah 14. That, as I mentioned, talks about Nebuchadnezzar, but very quickly transitions to speak about the devil in Isaiah 14.4. Isaiah 14.4, Thou shalt take up this parable against the king of Babylon, and say, How hath the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? Isaiah 14.12, Isaiah 14.12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which just weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar was that a man who was full of pride was reduced to a miserable state of being a naked, mangy animal. And this is exactly what's going to happen with Satan. And the big point is that the people watched their king in that state and said, is this the Nebuchadnezzar who terrified the world? Look what's happened to him. This is exactly what's going to happen to Satan. As it says in Isaiah 14, 15, Isaiah 14, 15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall look narrowly upon thee and consider, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms? That's the scene right there. The people looking at pathetic Nebuchadnezzar, like an ox, and their response is Isaiah 14, 16, Isaiah 14, 16. Is this the man 
that made the earth to tremble? Is this really Nebuchadnezzar? And this is the response that all will have as they see Satan. Satan also, those same words. Is this the person that made the earth to tremble? Is this really Satan? So Nebuchadnezzar remains in this state for seven full years. His kingdom went on hold for seven years. I don't know what happened. I'd like to see the king. Uh, He's not available right now. Can we take a message? All the while, give him more grass to eat and keep, keep the noise down. Till finally, Nebuchadnezzar speaks. The, the one who was like an animal now speaks in verse 34. And he says, at the end of the days, I, this is Nebuchadnezzar writing, by the way. Verse 34, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me. I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, his kingdom from generation to generation. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. Just like David said in Psalm 121, Psalm 121, 1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hill, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Psalm 124, 8, Psalm 124, 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Help comes from the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Who who might that be who made heaven and earth? John 1, 1, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And was not anything, without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1, 14, John 1, 14. The word, that word, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who made heaven and earth. Help comes from his name. Help comes from calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 146.5, Psalm 146.5. Happy is that people that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth and all that therein is. That's Jehovah. That's Jehovah Jesus. So this is a description of what it means to return to God. This is a description of what it means to turn to God. It means to lift up the eyes to God. That's the way out. That's the way out because Jesus said in John 14, 6, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, the Lord Jesus, is the way out. You almost need with that verse to plug in the out of part. You almost need with that verse to just just do a little bit of clarification. Just put in the out of. I am the way out of darkness. I am the truth out of lies and deception. I am the life out of death, eternal death. So the king now, he looks up to heaven and he says, My understanding Returns to me in verse at the end of the days, verse 34, verse 34. The end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me. I blessed the Most High. I praised and honored him that lives forever. This is what happens when there's a return to the understanding. A return of understanding means that a person will now give thanks to God. Bless the Most High. A return to the understanding means that a person will worship and praise the Lord. A return to the understanding means that, that he'll have a life and a checkbook that honors God. 
by giving. And the king says his understanding returns to him. And he says, uh, the king answered unto Daniel, and uh, he had done this before because he had said in uh, Daniel 2.47, Daniel 2.47, the king had already said, of a truth, your God, Daniel, is a God of gods and a Lord of, Lord of kings. He had a right understanding back in the previous chapter, in chapter 3, verse 28, 3.28, when it says, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he had an understanding. He lost it because of pride, arrogance, and a hard heart would not release God's people. And he was judged. But now his understanding returns to him, and now he's back to honoring and praising God and giving thanks to him. And his first thought about God when he praises him, his first point of praise of God is in verse 34. Verse 34, God is him that liveth forever. That's so important for us. That's so important for people to understand. God is not on a temporary reign of heaven. At Scanabodies in Mexico, we have to work with the government of Mexico in several different areas, which means we have to establish relationships with the appointed officials of the president of Mexico. You work hard to establish the relationship, and, and then every six years, new president. And so a new president, new appointed officials, got to start all over again. Believe me, it's very frustrating. Have you ever thought of what it would be like if God did not live forever, if his reign was like earthly kings, is that, and then after the reign of God was over, it's like, well, you're on your own again. But let's remember here that Nebuchadnezzar has just emerged. He's come out of having his heart of being a man and then being replaced with the heart of a beast. Now he's regained the heart of a man. He feels that he's been given life again. He's coming out of this death. He realizes it's a gift that's come from him that lives forever. That's what eternal life is. It's a gift that comes from the eternal living one. That's why it says in Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He offers this gift he offers this gift to anyone, everyone. And he, say he, he meets with a woman, an immoral woman, a woman who has ruined the lives of men and who has also had her life ruined through sexual immorality. And he meets with this woman who for all intents and purposes might have said, you know, life's not worth living anymore. I might as well just end it now and commit suicide. But he meets with this woman at a well and he offers her a free gift in John 4.13, John 4.13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He says, you're thirsty and you've come here and you were thirsty for love and admiration so much to admire you. You were thirsty for that, so you went from man to man. You went to this man, and that didn't go well, and you got thirsty again, and then you went to this man, and you got thirsty again, you went to this, and they said, that's been the course of your life. That's the course of your life. It's total, it's total temporary fulfillment hit the bottom again. Temporary fulfillment. He says, he says, I can give you a stop to all of that. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.